0: This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Not some things, not most things, everything. It's true, and if you've ever worked for a great leader, or a poor one, you know it's true. The Food Bank Council is the state association, the trade association of the seven Feeding America food banks in Michigan. Today we welcome to Food First our newest CEO of the Greater Lansing Food Bank. In Michelle's first 100 days, she's had has led through a work crisis associated with the UAW strike, hosted the governor in her food bank, and closed on property that will usher in a new era for the Greater Lansing Food Bank. Michelle is with us today on the show, and I can't wait to learn more about the next hundred days has in store for this dynamic leader, who at her roots is a farm girl who grew up in the thumb. Join Jerry Brisson, Michelle Lance, and me, Dr. Phil Knight, right here in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson in the WJR studio with you. Michelle Lance, as promised, the CEO for the Greater Lansing Food Bank, is our guest. And Michelle, welcome to Food First Michigan. It's your first time.
1: Thank you. It is my first time. Yeah, I only have about eight weeks on the job at the Greater Lansing Food Bank. So, you know, everything is kind of new, but everything is old for me, too, in the in the food industry.
0: Well, your first hundred days, and we're not even through those yet, uh, have been pretty spectacular. <laughs> Because just thinking about uh, some of the things that have happened and some of the things that you have um, made happen already, which is you know d- okay, like you you uh, endured and served through uh, a huge strike involving United Auto Workers, and that was some that was like one of the first crises that came to you. You had the governor in your uh, food bank. We
1: did. We made yes. your
0: announcement and. um you've you've got some pretty cool news about uh the future of Greater Lansing Food Bank and and lots of stuff going on there so uh, take us through. Tell us about who you are and how you became the CEO.
1: Sure. Yeah. So it has been a whirlwind a uh, couple of months already. Like you were mentioning, um, within the first week, we had the announcement of the UAW strike. Uh, so I reached out right away to the local UAW leaders, and we met to see what type of strategy we wanted to have for not only the employees of General Motors, um, but also the all of the the folks who were spin off um, hmm. uh, from that strike. Right. Uh, those people were affected actually first—people sure. uh, that were contractors at the plants, um, local businesses around the plants, like little restaurants, even gas stations. Right. Uh, so all of those folks were impacted, and and it was um, it was really an interesting way that our UAW leaders chose to um, to support the community and, and wanted us to support the community with hunger. Um, others yeah, it first. It was,
0: wasn't just about the the folks on strike. It was really about the entire community. And that's kind of the way it was here with you, right, Jerry? It has to be,
2: right. And, uh, you know, we learned really, really clearly back in 2007, 2008, when the real, real hard times hit the auto industry, just how much that means to everybody. Right. And so I think all of us were a little more prepared this time, uh, knowing knowing what we went through then, to say, you know what, this is going to affect a lot more than what it looks like, so let's make sure we have a lot of community conversations and other things. Sure. To to you know, I, I firmly believe when when people come into a crisis in their life, especially one that involves employment, the quicker you can get help to people, the better everybody gets through it. It is just really important not to wait. Yeah. Get stuff to people, make sure they don't get behind on their payments and other things that they have to do so that they can stay a- ahead of their life so the crisis doesn't get worse and worse and worse. So congratulations to you for doing that and for being on top of it. I mean, I, I, there's... Th- <laughs> Welcome to food banking. Yeah, here's a crisis.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's
2: exactly right. And thank you for, for what you did for all the people in, in the Lansing area and surrounding area that, that you cover
1: Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, my background being mostly in public relations um, and strategic planning, that was kind of right down my alley. Crisis were, you know, not unusual for me. And like you said, Jerry, the first step is always just to have those conversations and communicate with everyone involved. So that's what we did. Yeah. And then it was week two, I think it was, that we ended up having um, the governor in Mm. um, with the director of DHHS. And Mm. they were making a major announcement on uh, increasing asset limits to programs like SNAP to better align Michigan, really, with uh, the rest of the states. Yeah. Um, so they wanted a great backdrop and called us and said, hey, could we use the food bank? So sure, of course, we're going to have governor in. <laughs>
0: so I, have a, I think I have an op-ed in the Greater Lansing uh, Journal today about that announcement. And, you know, we look at it from a policy lens that says, does it help our food banks create food security? It's good policy. If it makes it our job harder Yeah, we're not as maybe as enthusiastic about that policy. This is certainly a policy that is um, that helps us do our job and create food security across Michigan much easier. But hey, everybody, we're talking with Michelle Lance. She's the CEO for the Greater Lansing Food Bank. She's our guest today in studio. So we appreciate you, um, you know, navigating the um, I don't know what you call it. It's, It's like an MIS thing on you know steroids out there the traffic today so it's crazy uh so thanks for making that tell us a little bit about where you come from and kind of you know, I kind of know so I'm I'm sneaking here with you but I know why the mission of food security because you shared with me is so so important to you.
1: Yeah, it, it literally is where I'm born from. Um, so I grew up a farm girl, actually, in a small town in the thumb of Michigan called Unionville, you know, population 500, where we cross off the last number on the, uh, you know, population sign when somebody right. goes off to college. Kind of place. Um, so, so, but I, you know, the youngest of three, I literally was in the fields uh, with my dad um, in the tractors. I was hoeing beans. I was, you know, harvesting corn. Corn and wheat right. and all of that when I was growing up, um, so we literally grew up for generations being uh, people who fed other people. Wow! Um, and that's never left my soul, really. Um, mm-hmm. And the uh, what you learn on the farm is such a sense of community and, and taking care of others. Um, I have story after story where you know it's it's the middle of a harvest season and you can't get in the fields because it's just too wet or it's too right. frozen or whatever. Um, and farmers just would take their equipment and go to other people's fields and get the get the crops off. Um, it's going on again right now right. Um, in the beet season, <coughs> right. up in the Thumb, um, because it's so wet. So, um, yeah, so that's that's really where this passion for feeding the world came from. Hmm. And, you know, I understand how um, there's enough food. There really right. is. We just have to figure out how to get it from right. point A to, you know, the customers who are really in need.
0: Right. So, I'm, she's Michelle Lantz. She's the CEO for Greater Lansing Food Bank. She's from the Thumb. I am, but, but she is. Uh, she's a part of our network now, and we're so happy to have her. Glad to have you on the show. Great to have you at the Gra- Greater Lansing Food Bank. We're going to come back and talk more with Michelle in just a moment. You come back and be with us. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're back here in the WJR studio. Michelle Lamps, our guest today, CEO at the Greater Lansing Food Bank. And Jerry Brisson, you have some uh, food banker to food banker queries here I think are coming right
2: well a- and admiration I would throw in but uh, you know here's here's I think one of the things that all of us in food banking are staring down and that is there's still a problem but most of us believe at least at some level this is something that can be fixed right but in order to fix it, you got to do some different things. You got to have strategies that include growth. You you know, you got to tackle some pretty difficult problems. And I know one of the ones that we talked about even in our last strategic planning session was the problem of reaching everyone in the rural communities because they don't have the infrastructure that some of the urban centers have. so so, I know you've been working on that. It's only been a few months, so we'll be kind. But I don't think we need to be kind. I
0: think we can just hear she you hit out. The, yeah, she hit the ground running.
2: Absolutely right. But so, tell us a little bit about how are you looking at the area that you're serving and what is that area and how you plan on managing growth for you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So interestingly, we um, have also just announced that we're going to be building a new structure. Um, we have outgrown our facility, oh, five, six years ago, we are we outgrew it already for what our needs are of the community. Um, Greater Lansing Food Bank covers seven counties, um, and it's the tri-counties around the capital, so Ingham, Eaton, and Clinton, and then Isabella, Shiawassee, Gratiot, and Clare, mm. and uh, so we have a lot of rural counties that we cover. Um, and of course, the problems in the, the rural counties are much, much different than uh, where you have transportation, public transportation in you know in the surrounding metropolitan areas. Um, you don't have that in the rural counties. Um, and our growth plans by 2025 include doubling the amount of people that we need to feed. Um, that comes from Feeding America. Um, that is the you know the traditional Trajectory that we're on as far as food insecurity, along with we just ha- aren't serving the uh, number of people that we need to serve now who are hungry. Hmm. Um, so that, you know, we're going from about what, 9 million pounds up to um, 18 million pounds of food uh, that we need to deliver. And we just can't do it with the facility that we have right now. Already our garden project, um, where we have over 100 gardens in the Area um, and our administrative staff are in a different building, so we need to get all under one roof. Uh, we need to be able to expand what we can do, um, and then the, you know the stories that we hear from our rural communities are just unbelievable about what the faces of hunger look like. Um, we were recently talking with one of our teachers where we distribute uh, backpacks for the weekend, and she was telling us that even the food that needs to go into those backpacks uh, has to be different than what we would see in an, in a city. Um, a lot of those kids are living in what we would consider like a hunting cabin. There's no running water. There's no electricity. Some have dirt floors. Um, and it was startling to hear wow, those firsthand that is, accounts. That's... That, it, it's
2: unthinkable, right? Right. I mean, here you don't Michigan? think of that kind of poverty where people don't have running water or are still having a dirt floor. Uh, but here it is right in front of us, you know, so mm-hmm. that's a big challenge. That's a big challenge.
1: Yeah, it is. And we tend to think of uh, third world countries that way, right? And when you think of the malnutrition that happens in those third world nations, um, you know, if children don't have food, We see the pictures of what that looks like on their bodies. Um, And we're facing some of that here right now. Uh, So that's the biggest challenge for us in the mid-Michigan region right now is to reach into those smaller communities and figure out how to distribute food right to those folks. Um, Because often they don't have transportation, like what we think of as transportation, either a private vehicle or a vehicle that even works. Um, So is,
0: Michelle, is... Some of the anchor institutions in those rural communities, like schools, like hospitals, is that part of the strategy for 2025?
1: Yes, it actually has to be. Um, We all know that healthcare and food distribution is so critical nowadays. Um, Those providers that are there know the needs of their patients better than anyone. Um, And the teachers who are there or the administrators who are in the schools are the ones who can help us reach those who are most in need. Um, So those are where the conversation are happening right now in those communities. That's awesome. And are you
2: finding some success, too, with the county governments or, you know, some of those other, you know, institutions that, you know, really should be part of the answer too, right? Because, you know, you talk about where people go for help, and there's only so many options.
0: Well, let's think about that for just a minute. I mean, you're really either part of this problem or you're part of the solution. It is. I mean, I don't really know how you're going to separate it other than that. So, if you're in and you're helping, like some of these anchor institutions, and I know, Jerry, you've gotten help from some of your county commissioners. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, even in Oakland County, didn't they just pass into their general budget? About breakfast for everyone, right?
2: Right, and yeah. so that was critical. The the work with the county, the in fact, all of the counties, and we only have five, so you've got two more than we do. But uh, all of the counties have been important to us in terms of looking at reach and and solving some of those difficult problems, and and supporting the kind of policy initiatives that move things forward. I mean, we have we have found that to be really important. So I mean, again, you know, we'll 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 make a shout out to all the counties you serve and say, make sure to be on on the bus. Get, the get, bus be, a part,
0: be a part of the solution, that's not part right. of the problem. Yeah, that's
1: right. That's right. It, in most cases, it's one of the first places that we reach out to, to have the conversation. Right. Um, and even with our state reps, um, and all the legislators, because they know their constituents very, very well. Um, and in some of those communities, we do not yet. Um, it's a it's a newer, the four northern counties are a newer part of our organization. Um, we had two separate food banks in the area, and we merged about 50 15 years ago or so 10 Mm. i guess 10 years ago now Mm -hmm. um and so we're still trying to you know trying to recreate the relationships that were there from the individual groups um and that's the first place to start
0: yeah and your predecessor who used to be on our board joe wald um was certainly a guy that that could took those two entities and galvanize them into one and i think joe has you know has done a really terrific job of that, and but I think when Joe said I, I did I did what I came to do, and he was uh, I gracious enough or insightful enough. I don't I don't know exactly what the right word. He he knew when to leave and turn it over to someone who could help. Take it to the next level.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, and Joe was a great guy. You know, very well known in our tri-county area, um, was very helpful to me as I transitioned on, and we still keep in touch weekly. Um, you know, I'm asking him questions about this or that, or who he knows in whatever community. Um, so he really did a great job merging those two organizations, and now we're ready to take that next step and say, okay, now it's time to grow. Um, right. The new facility will be, ex- you know, extremely efficient. Uh, right now, you know, you kind of put a round peg in the square. Whole or vice right. versa um, because the building is... Uh, was built in the 70s and not for a warehousing and distribution model, no. especially with food banking. Right. Um, so, when we configure the new space, it will be based on what our growth plans are for each of our programs.
0: Right. And those growth plans, Jerry, are, are something that is not based on how big can we grow this organization. It's based on the need in the community. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why the work that we've done statewide to understand what is the need. I mean, we talk
2: about our typical questions, right? Who needs, needs help? help. How How much much help help do they they need need, and for for how how long? And you got (laughs) to answer those questions before you can actually solve the
0: problem. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right.
0: She's Michelle Lance. She's the CEO for the Greater Lansing Food Bank. And we're going to ask you to stay around for one more segment if you would. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in the studio. We'll be back in just a moment. First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. We're back. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, here with our guest, Michelle Lance, the CEO, new CEO, eight weeks in at the Greater Lansing Food Bank. And you serve seven counties up through, kind of like from the capital, kind of up north. Yes, right?
1: all the way up to Clare.
0: Okay. Yep. Right. So, um, you food bankers are always um, innovating. I mean, you're always thinking about—and that's what leaders do, right? They ought to be two to three years ahead of everybody else. Now, the challenge is that y'all don't run off and leave the rest of us. But, you know, you really are thinking about what's next. And I think maybe if you could just talk a little bit about what, what, what's so magical about 2025. You know where does that come from? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Well, part of it is uh, that it's five years out now, mm-hmm. and you always want to be looking three to five years out. You know, you can look ten years, but we have no idea what things are going to happen economically or around the you know around sure. the globe between now and then. So it's a nice point where you can still plan strategically um, and and still um, you know have a safe bet that you're going to be able to. Implement those plans along the way, right? Um, but for us, I guess the five-year plan uh, really does take start to take into account things that you know, Jerry. You've been working on for a little while now, too, is partnerships uh, with healthcare. Um, partnerships with uh, very local communities um, to try and make an impact on people's lives e- one at a time. Um, Health care in particular is something that's interesting to us in the mid-Michigan area because we haven't really started to de- develop those partnerships yet. Um, but interestingly, earlier this week, I was talking with one of the agencies that we work with that distributes food um, to community. They have... Um, both a healthcare clinic on site, uh, they serve meals, and they also have an individual pantry uh, where people can come in and shop for their for their I food. I like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, my conversation with that CEO was, you know, how do we get the providers involved from your clinic in prescribing uh, certain foods for especially folks with chronic conditions like diabetes? Yep. You know, it's National Diabetes Month right now, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of what what spurred this conversation. Um, so we're going to be meeting and talking about, you know, how we take those next steps, um, what that can mean, and how we can measure those outcomes for those patients. um, Because that could really be, you know, as a pilot, that could really be scaled up then to other communities.
2: And of course, people are talking more and more about the social determinants of health. Mm -hmm. And and we know that the majority of our health isn't a result of health care services. It's <laughs> exactly. a result of how we live our life. In fact, there was a a recent article that said there's two counties right next to each other. This was in New York actually, that if you lived in one county, your life expectancy was literally twenty years less mm. than if you were just one county over. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that kind of thing just blows your mind, right? Yeah. So yeah. so we know that healthcare is one fifth of the economy. And the, the costs continue to go up. And part of the reason is because we haven't learned how to grapple with some of these more complex issues of our own behavior and what we put in our mouth, right? Well, we know when it comes to low income, it's even more challenging because the healthiest food isn't always the least expensive. And so for somebody who's on a really tight budget, one of the first things in their control is to reduce the cost of their uh, food budget. And of course, that can lead to behaviors that increase the likelihood for heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, and other issues that come from being overweight. You know, overweight and hungry, how does that work? Well, it actually happens and it happens a lot because cheaper food has calories that aren't the nutritious calories that you need to manage your life. So you know, these are things we can work with healthcare. How much produce do we distribute last year through the food banks, doctor?
0: Uh, Over 80 million pounds. 80 million pounds. Out of 205 million pounds. So we
2: know that we can help people have access to that food, and so these partnerships make so much sense when what we do is going to help the healthcare system do what they do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, continuing the, the system of partnerships, too, you know, folks like Kroger um, that gives so much back in produce and other uh, nutritious products um, and and also some hard costs for us to be able to transport. We, you know, Kroger just did a um, a food truck for us that was a refrigerated food truck so that we could actually take those produce um, or products and get them out to where they are needed um, because, again, access is is part of it. Um, the, you know, the inner cities don't have the grocery stores like what we think of the big Myers and, you know, Kroger's and places like that. Um, So getting food mobily to people who are in need to help with their chronic conditions, um, or seniors who may not, drive themselves anymore. Um, They're already on a fixed income, so if they're choosing between a medication for their chronic condition or uh, the food that they know they need to take with the prescription because it's on the bottle, take with food, um, you know, if they don't have uh, the access or we can't get the food to them... We know what their their quality of life is going to be like simply because of the food that they're eating or not. And we know there's champions
2: all throughout healthcare who know this is an issue that needs to be solved. And so I know, Doctor, you were just at the root cause um, conference mm-hmm. uh, where where you know that is the topic. How sure. do we really address these social determinants of health? And, uh, and so it's pretty exciting, Michelle, what you're, what you're putting together in the center of our state. I mean, it's, it's either going to work for us all or it won't work for any of us. And we keep learning from each other and bringing these new partnerships to the table. And we know that's ultimately what we have to do. It's why the innovation is so important, because the problem isn't solved. <laughs> and if right. it's not solved, you got to do something different.
0: Well, I think, too, that there is a segment of the population that is housed within health care, particularly folks with chronic illnesses, that we may or may not be reaching through our traditional means of distribution and service. So this gives us access to a population that we may currently not have access to. And at the same time, I, I think what you guys are talking about I th- should be highlighted, and that's the quality of food that the food banks distribute. I mean, 40 years ago, any food would do, right? But we're way past that. I mean, you said the numbers. I mean, 80, 80 million pounds of fresh produce and uh, out of 205 million pounds. That really sets us up to be the right partner for health care, for education, in order to get the outcomes that they want. For parents, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and when we talk about one of
2: the biggest things that food banks are brokers of, it's trust. And we work with the people that need us, and they know they can trust us to have what they need. And that's years of work, but now we can have conversations with people that help us understand what are the best things we can do to help and that goes every way and then we bring those conversations to the bigger partners that don't have the same relationships and things get better and that's the joy right
1: yeah it it is and even partnerships like united dairy industry of michigan with all of the milk that they are able to help get to um, the food banks through the food banks then out to you know people in the community Um, we could not do our work without those types of partnerships so it's on both ends it's on the you know the source where we're where we're getting the food mm-hmm. in and it's also on how we're distributing the food out um, and our role as sort of that intermediary I think is so important right now Um just to, to bridge the conversations between the two sides of the fence and you know, make sure that we're, we're doing what we can do um, to ensure people are healthy in Michigan.
2: It's probably a good time to throw in a shout out to your team too. You've got <laughs> team members Great who team. are awesome, who've been in our network for a long time, who are really helping to move this along and bringing a lot of strength and expertise and intelligence mm-hmm. and so we're really lucky to have them too.
1: Yeah, it was so easy for me to walk into this role because of them. Uh, there are Folks who have been on the team for you know twenty years, um, even pre-merger, and they know what they are doing, um, and they have amazing relationships with you know one hundred and fifty agencies that receive food from us uh, to government officials and school districts. Um, uh, so yeah, without them, you know, we could not be successful. Like well, we are right all now. the
2: volunteers. I mean, there's so many volunteers as well. <laughs>
1: three thousand. We yeah. have three thousand volunteers a year, and the new facility will allow us to double. The amount of volunteer space that we have uh, so that we can sort all that food, you know, get it packed either in backpacks or boxes or whatever's needed um, and get more out the door. So that's going to help with our growth plans too. So
2: if you're in Lansing, you just heard it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> call out for volunteers. They're going to double the number they can have, and that means you. Yes, yes, it does. It does. And and, and or food. Uh, we have you know more than two hundred food um, drives going on right now because of the holidays coming up. Everyone wants to be you know mm-hmm. grateful and thankful and give back. Um, so those are the ones we just know that are scheduled. But we would be happy to take any food if you have food drives at your business or churches. Uh, we can do that as well.
2: That's great. Well, you heard it. There's the shout-out right there. Food drives, volunteers, we can always use a a little extra cash as well, so uh, none of those are bad.
0: Time, talent, and treasure. That's what it is. That's right. That's what it is. She's Michelle Lance. She's the CEO for the Greater Lansing Food Bank. She's been our guest today. And so I'd say two things. One, Michelle, thanks for being here with us. And for everyone in the Greater Lansing area, watch out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Give us your
2: website before you go.
1: Sure. it's uh, You can type in Greater Lansing Food Bank or glfoodbank.org.
0: There we go. glfoodbank.org. She's Michelle Lance. She's our guest today. Jerry and I are back to wrap up this show in just a moment. We're back here on Food First Michigan. Jerry? What do you think? That's your uh, newest colleague, Michelle Lance.
2: You know what? It's great to see Michelle coming into her role and, you know, picking up where Joe left off. I mean, Joe was amazing. Really enjoyed working with Joe for the years that he was there. Uh, it's always nice to see when a leadership transition goes well. And uh, Michelle certainly has her feet on the ground, and she is running hard. And, uh, of course, that's part of leadership, right? You, you just keep moving, and she's learning a lot, but she brings a lot too.
0: Yeah. Well, I like from a leadership standpoint that she looked at her team, she saw I've got I've got some good teams for team members for where we're at right now, and I'm gonna let them do their thing. So there was no ego involved in having to disrupt. Yeah. Just for the purpose of disruption or to show I'm the new leader or new boss or new CEO. It was like nope. The most important thing here is the people we serve in the community. These folks are doing a great job. I'm going to turn them loose on it, but I'm going to bring what I bring. And I think what that is is strategic planning, vision, and the ability to to raise the necessary food and funds to meet that vision.
2: Well, she's a communicator. Yeah. And you got to have that if you're going to get support. I mean, so she clearly has that. And on another note, again, this is just kind of looking at food banking in Michigan. You know, we were an early adopter. Michigan was an early adopter of food banking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as a result, a lot of our facilities are very old. And they were built at a time before, you know, some of the modern thinking about just-in-time distribution and how you manage turns as opposed to inventory and, you know, all those kinds of things. Things, you know, now... Mm we're seeing these new facilities. They're going to be more efficient. They're going to work better. They're going to enable us to be ready to solve the problem as we bring these new partners in who are going to help us uh, in, in so many ways. So it's it's nice to see another leader willing to take on that challenge. It's, it's a challenge to build a new facility. She's going to do it, and I have confidence in her.
0: Well, so something you just talked about there is something that we really never talk about on the show. So let's just carve out just a minute of that because It's in the context of the Greater Lansing's new facility. Um, You guys are thinking about some uh, expansion in order to have the capacity to meet the need. I know that Forgotten Harvest is as well. So lots of that discussion around uh, our network. But when you just used a phrase, uh, turn the inventory. What what do you mean by that? Well, so if you think
2: that the way to manage inventory is to, let's say, over the next 30 days, you know you're going to distribute 6 or 8 million pounds of food. Well, one way to think about that is let's stock up and have the food and then, you know, we can get it out, right? And so you need a lot of space to do that. You Mm -hmm. need a lot of space to stock up. Right. Whereas if you say, no, all I really need is three days of inventory. That's all I need. And then I'm just going to keep bringing it in and turning it out, bringing it in and getting it out. Well, you're going to bring it in and get it out anyway. So your trucking needs really don't change. Mm -hmm. Right. What changes is how much space you need in your building. Mm. And the more space you need in your building, the more expensive it is. Right. The longer you hang on to something, the more it costs you to have it. The less time you hang on to something, the less it costs. So you really need a lot less inventory space if you're turning it rather than hanging on to it. And that's what, I mean, in a, in a nutshell. I
0: like that. You th- put the cookies on the right yeah. shelf for me there. So really, you think about the nature of food banking, and this is so rudimentary. I mean, you really are a bank. You're a warehouse, actually, yeah. that that houses food. But you don't hang on to that food very long. Not if you want to do it. I mean the bank keeps wanting to hang on to my money, but and I guess that's where the analogy breaks down. Yeah.
2: Well, and I think when food banking got started, the idea was to have inventory space so a donor, a food donor, could unload all of that donation at one time. Mm. Right? So you do have to get to a certain scale to make this all work. right Right? to make just in time work for a food bank you have to be able to receive big donations of one thing but then have the wherewithal to distribute it out that's why you're not going to be perfectly just in time you're going to have some inventory that does take a little bit longer to turn out because you got all of it at once so you are going to need some inventory space so that you can mix the food properly so it can go out in the right quantities to people so it can be food that they can use right so So if you give someone 48 pounds of winter squash all at once, (laughs) the odds are some of that's going to be wasted. So you still need inventory management, but it's the right amount for the donations of food you're getting and for what the community actually needs.
0: You know, so for those of us who are on the outside here looking in at food banking, there's a lot more to this. I mean, I remember taking uh, someone—in fact, it was Lori Rashard from our our marketing uh, partnership, Edge Partnership— And I took her to your food bank, Gleaners, here in uh, southeast Michigan, and she walked in and said, oh, my God, it's like Costco.
2: (laughs) It's big, yeah. (laughs) I mean, racks of of food. and, And believe it or not, all that moves. Right. That you even all those racks that we have, that's food that's moving. It's not food that's sitting, right? The other thing that I I mean it's worth talking about when we when we think about how uh food banks have to operate. We talked about food drives on the show. Yeah. Uh and one of the things people often don't think about is the number of food recalls there are. You see it in the paper, oh, this company had a problem and so they're recalling that food and you're supposed to throw it out or whatever you're supposed to do depending right. on what the recall is, right? Well, the, there's literally every year hundreds of recalls. Well, we could get that food anytime. Food right. Drive, that food can come in through Food Drive. So our staff have to actually remember and know what's been recalled so we can make sure we take that out of circulation if it comes to us. Hmm i 'm telling you what it's more than a notion to do that, but you know what food safety is really our number one job right and and I am so proud of my team and I 'm sure Michelle is proud of her team and I 'm sure the food banks everywhere are proud of their teams for staying on top of that critically important issue and making sure we handle it well
0: Well, it is important, and I think it is, I like how you said it it is a foundational principle even of why food banking came into existence years ago, and it remains that today, and that has Plays directly into the, the commodity that we distribute most, and that is trust and hope. Exactly
2: right, and so what a what an honor it is to do that work, and we're so happy to be organizations. This is all of us food banks in Michigan, uh, organizations that the community can count on to get that done.
0: Well, I think it's important too that 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 trust is there and that confidence in. And I have to say, you know, because I'm not a food banker, I work for the council. Uh, the state association. That it's amazing to watch you guys do what you do. I mean, it's really fascinating to me, uh, and and to just have that core passion, that value of more food, more often to more people. Yep. And you know, so you innovate to make that happen, and you also don't defend something that doesn't work, right? right. You know. That's right. If it doesn't get more food more often to more people, then it, we're not going to keep it. Right. Right? It's like 48 pounds of winter squash. <laughs>
2: That's right. <laughs> and you got to do that different. That's exactly right.
0: I mean, you got to do it different. So, great. Well, great show, Jerry. Thanks very much. Time for a little food for thought. Michelle Lance, like all great leaders, is learning. She is learning what she doesn't know. And most importantly, She's learning what she doesn't know she doesn't know. That is the beginning of wisdom. Suspending assumptions and creating great communications about yourself, your vision, and the case for change are all critical to a leader's first 100 days. This is what I've learned about this network, the Food Bank of Michigan. We are not perfect, but we are the best at what we do. We are committed to walking with the people we serve until hopefully one day soon they won't need us anymore. Our commitment to them, our own effectiveness and excellence drives this network to innovate and challenge until all the people in need of food no longer need food. Thanks for listening. Join us every week right here on our home station, WJR, and on our podcast at Food First Michigan foodfirstmi.org. Until then, remember, it's Food First, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food-secure state.